Now the wonderful segue, Pastor, into the message that God has given me tonight uh, to share with uh, church. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real privilege and an honor uh, for me to be here and fill Pastor Rick's pulpit. Uh, I, I don't know of a greater preacher in America <laughs> or, or maybe the world. And uh, uh, it's just, just an honor and blessing to sit under his ministry and then to be able to fill in occasionally uh, on, on times like this. But what a, what a powerful week this is. Uh, in the life of the church, in the life of believers. Uh, some, peop some people refer to it as the Passion Week or Holy Week. But we, the week began as we began it this week with Palm Sunday and the, and the uh, triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And of course it, it uh, finalizes, I'm not going to say it ends, but it finalizes in a way uh, on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, and so, uh, but when you, when you think, and, and, I, and I hope and pray each and every one of us takes the time this week especially to reflect and, and maybe read those gospel accounts of, of all that went on this week. Such, such a very, so, so many very important things happened, and, and uh, if, if those things didn't happen, we wouldn't be here tonight. We wouldn't have the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and, and the message that God uh, has given me uh, fits right in with this uh, uh, Easter week, uh, Passion Week. Uh, and I think it's a message that each one of us need to hear. I know uh, it, it's a very personal message in my heart and life, and I'll explain that to you all just a little bit later. And I think it's a very powerful message. And we sang about, you know, the Lordship of Jesus. Pastor Rick talked about that. And I think that's the kind of the, the, the whole crux of, of this message and, and where this uh, message is going. The title of the message is Nevertheless. And the text of the message is found in Matthew's Gospel, the 26th chapter, verse 39. A very familiar verse that all of us have probably read or heard preached on many, many times. But it re reads in the New, New King James Version, He went a little farther and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This verse is all about total submission. Uh, and I, I just want to begin the, the message kind of with, asks us three questions that we can think about, ponder on as this message goes forward. Is is total submission a necessary part of our Christian lives? Or is it an option? Is that a box we check? Or is that a lifestyle that we live? So then, what, it, what is total submission? And how do we totally submit? Total submission is about a battle. A battle of our will against God's will. And of course, as in everything of our Christian lives, Jesus Christ is always our example. Jesus was our example of total submission in his own life. Throughout life and, and death, the will of Christ was always that of his Father. The whole of John's gospel is a living testimony to that very fact. Concerning his word, he said in John 14, 24, The word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. 
Concerning his will, he said, I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. It's found in John 6:38 and 5:30, and also in Hebrews 10:7. Concerning his works, Jesus said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do, and that's found in John 17:4 and 14:10. And concerning his witness, Jesus said this in John 5:31 and verse 36: I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, said this about Jesus. Therefore, when he, speaking of Jesus, when he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. These are words that quoted by Jesus were words from Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. So Jesus was not only our example uh, of total submission in his life, but Jesus is our example of total submission in his death. Paul said in Philippians 2.8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And once again, Paul writing in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 8, Paul says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was the son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now I want us to look at a couple aspects of submission tonight. First of all, the substance of submission. First of all, submission is the way of death. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says this, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Deny means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. The Young's literal translation says, let him disown himself. That's death to ourselves. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus is speaking of close relatives that are not disciples of Jesus. And even our natural affection for all our relatives and for our own life is left untouched by this hating that Jesus said we must do. For our natural affection toward them can cause us to yield to any desire of theirs which is in conflict with our own discipleship. And yes, even our own selves, our own desires can come in conflict with, with the will and, and the, uh, of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew 12, 48 to 50, Jesus uh, gives us his own example. Uh, verse, verse 48, he says, uh, 48 to 50, I'm sorry. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who is my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That is my brother. That is my father. That is, that is uh, 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 my brother. Uh, 
There can be no total submission without death to ourselves. Uh, we, we, we can't even uh, begin to think about total submission unless we die to ourselves. Unless we die to ourselves, we also cannot take up our cross. So the second substance of submission is the way of the cross. In Luke 14, 27, Jesus said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. See, Satan had come to Jesus in the wilderness, in the wilderness of temptation years ago, and offered him the crown without the cross. Satan, using Peter's voice, had come to him again at Caesarea Philippi when Jesus had first broached the subject of the cross to his disciples. And Peter said, Be it far from thee, Lord. Now Satan was back again, lurking in the dark shadows beyond the moonlight. He was whispering, Not the cross. Not the cross. Jesus, as man, shrank from the cross, but the horror of what lay ahead was eclipsed by that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that he was about ready to accomplish. See, the cross represents crucifixion, and crucifixion leads to death. This is not a physical death, but a death of our will. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. In the, in the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the cross also leads to life. The instrument of death leads to life. It's one of those things that you try to tell somebody out in the world, they'd look at you like you were totally crazy. So the third part uh, substance of submission is the way of life. In Luke 9, 24, uh, Jesus says this, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And the Greek word there uh, that is translated life twice in this, in this passage of Scripture, uh, I was kind of surprised. I was expecting, you know, the Greek word zoe, which is eternal life, but it's actually the Greek word suke, which distinguishes, is, is about the soul of a man. It distinguishes, uh, it, it is distinguished from the body, which is the Greek word soma, and the spirit, which is the Greek word pneuma. And see, the soul functions are the mind, will, and emotions. And the word save means to protect. The word lose means to destroy fully. So this verse could be translated, for whoever desires to protect his mind, will, and emotions will fully destroy them. But whoever fully destroys his mind, will, and emotions for my sake will protect them. Jesus is telling us that our life, our mind, will, and emotions is ours. His life, Jesus refers. His life. It's our life. It's our mind, will, and emotions. And we have control of those. We choose what we will do with our mind, will, and emotions. And we can either protect it for ourselves and thereby destroy it fully, or we can destroy it fully for Jesus' sake and thereby protect it. The choice is ours, and we must choose. We must choose. Paul also gives us life choices of the mind, will, and emotion with regard to our bodies. In Romans 12, 1, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And the English uh, Standard Version 
uh, translates that spiritual worship, and the NIV says true and proper worship. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says this, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. See, we cannot present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We cannot discipline our bodies and bring them into subjection without total submission of our lives, which is our mind, will, and emotion. These, these exhortations that Paul gives us can't be accomplished in our own abilities, in our own strength, in our, in our own might. They have to be totally surrendered and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. So, returning back to our text in Matthew 26, 39, says he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In this verse... Jesus gives us some steps to submission. First of all, he went a little farther. In Gethsemane, the little farther implies typically that the Lord was within the veil. See, he brought his disciples along. In fact, he took Peter, James, and John just a little bit further. But then Jesus went a little bit farther. Went a little bit farther. It is the little farther that costs. And it's a little farther that counts. It's that little farther. That's that first step. We've got to go a little bit farther uh, before, before it'll uh, count. The cost for Christ was his agony there in the garden when he prayed more earnestly and it counted. For had it not been for his work in the garden, there could be no believers today. There could be no hope of salvation. There could be no eternal life. The work was done and completed in the garden in total submission, surrendered to the Father. Secondly, after he went a little farther, he fell on his face. Namely, the lowest position for the deepest prayer. Uh, Mark 9.29 says, So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Pastor Rick uh, mentioned Saturday at prayer time uh, about this verse. He said that if we are going to live a victorious life and be able to defeat demonic spirits, then we are going to have to have a vital prayer life. And this can only be accomplished through total submission to the will of the Father. Because Satan will always have excuses and reasons and purposes why we can't have a vital prayer life. So, also, falling on our face is a position of total submission. This is a position that we will assume around the throne of our Lord and of his Christ. In Revelation eleven sixteen. It says this about the 24 elders. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God in total submission, the 24 elders. And that's the position that we will have. And if we don't fall on our face here and total submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not going to be up there around the throne room of Jesus Christ. Third step, Jesus prayed. Oh, my Father. Jesus' prayer was personal. Jesus knew the Father. He prostrated himself on the ground in utter abasement and desolation, yet in submission. In this terrible crisis, there is no other resource but prayer. The shadow of death enveloped him, wave and storm rolled over his soul, yet out of the deep he called unto the Lord. And in the, the epistle that I read earlier from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 8, some affecting details are added about what Jesus went through with his prayer. 
who in the days of his, of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and having been heard uh, for his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And Jesus' prayer was personal, and his prayer was specific. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus didn't try to beat around the bush. Jesus didn't try to remind the Father that I'm your only begotten Son. I lived my whole life in submission to you. I lived my whole life in total perfect holiness and, and, and righteousness. Jesus came right to the point, very specific. And his prayer was honest and transparent. And that's the only way we can pray to God. Because he knows what's in our heart. He knew what was in Jesus' heart. Jesus knew there was no reason to beat around the bush. There was no reason to bring up any other, any other uh, uh, thing that, that he, he needed to hear. And so he knew that the Father knew all well about what he was facing. He didn't have to remind the Father of that. But Jesus was crying out and asking the Father, If there is any other way in which man may be saved and thou be glorified, if there is any other mode of redemption... It was a cry of his humanity, yet conditioned by perfect submission. And Pastor uh, preached, uh, I think, Sunday, talking about it. And this is so very important. And sadly, there are many in the church world today that, that believe that Jesus operated on earth as the Son of God, which he was. But he, he, he ministered and operated as a man under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, you know, it, it was his humanity that had to surrender and submit to the Lord, to his Father. After going a little farther, after falling on his faith, face, and after praying, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, he was ready for the last step. The last step. Total submission. See, we can't skip over any of those other steps. <laughs> we can't think we're going to uh, catapult ourselves to the last step. His last step, total submission. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Three times Jesus prayed this prayer. Jesus had lived a life of, in total submission to the Father. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. And this was the final test of his mind, will, and emotions to the total submission to the mind, will, and emotions of the Father. Was he willing to lose his life to save it? Was the battle that he faced. That was a choice before him, and I believe that that is a choice that it is before each one of us tonight. Are we willing to lose our life to save it? Are we willing to die to our lives, our mind, will, and emotion? I asked this question at the beginning of this message is, is total submission a necessary part of our Christian lives, or is it just an option? Is it a box that we can check or leave blank? I believe that I believe that it is a necessary part of our Christian life, and I believe that Jesus answered that question for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. I, I don't believe there's any, any doubt about his answer. During prayer time on the Tuesday before our revival, uh, and I, I normally pray right up here at the altar, but uh, Brother Buddy was working on this platform, so I had to go back to the back of the sanctuary and... Uh, I began to pray, and, and I was just led to pray for, I, I, I prayed, God, show forth your glory. Be glorified 
in my life and be glorified in your church. And I became so broken, I began literally to weep, and the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly these words uh, to my heart. For me to be glorified in you, you must die to yourself. There's no other way. And for me to be glorified in my church, it must die to itself. See, the Holy Spirit made it clear to me that if we were going to experience real revival that would result in souls, souls saved on the road and this entire community turned upside down, we must die. There would be no other way. And so then he set the words of Jesus before me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so I, that's been my prayer every day, but the only way that this prayer will be answered is if I choose my mind, will, and emotions to die, uh, with, with my mind, will, and emotions to die to my will, just like Jesus did. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verses 18 to 20, Paul says this, Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. See, flee is a, is a verb in that, in that first verse. It's in the present tense. Verbs are action words. <laughs> it's in the present tense, which means it's continuous action. It's not flee one time, but it's continually flee. It's in the active voice, which means we are responsible for the action of that verb. And it's in the imperative mood, which means it's command. To flee is a continuous choice that we must make. Why? Because we are not our own. We were bought at a price. And the Amplified said, purchased with a preciousness and paid for, made his own. In James chapter 4, verse 7, what a powerful little verse this is. <laughs> but he says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's three verbs in that little verse, and they're in a specific order. Everything in, the, in, in God's word is, in, is there in, in a specific order. And uh, the submit and resist are the first two verbs, and they are in the imperative mood, which means they are commands. Flee is in the indicative mood, which means this will just happen. If we submit and we resist, the devil's going to flee. He doesn't have a choice. So, and the, the subject of submit is yourselves. Submit yourselves. You submit, therefore, to God. And so the object of submit, of course, is God. We are to submit ourselves to God. The subject of resist is, once again, it, it's not in there, but it's implied it's ourselves, yourselves. Resist yourselves, uh, yourselves resist, the object of resist is the devil. The subject of will flee 
is he the devil? He will flee. The object of his fleeing is you, from you. Submit and resist are both in the aorist tense, which means a once-for-all action that is ongoing. In other words, we have to die at one time, but it's a continually ongoing uh, submission and subjection to, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And submit is in the passive voice, which gives a sense to position yourself under God to do his will. And that's what submission is, submitting yourself under God to do his will. Because we can't do it ourselves with our, our will. We have to submit to God. And so that's the action. It's in the passive voice, which, <clears throat> which means that, yes, we do it, but it's not something that we actually do. It's not a doing. <laughs> it's just a being. <laughs> you know, we just surrender and submit under the, under the lordship of, of, of our Father and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and of course, submission uh, and resistance will bring attack from the devil. We can expect that. If we submit, if we resist, He's going to attack us. There is no question about that. And we wonder sometimes today, well, how come we're not attacked? How come I'm not attacked? How come I'm not persecuted? Well, maybe it's because we're not submitting to, to God. Maybe it's because we're not resisting the devil like, like we need to do. And so uh, uh, the devil has only one choice. If we submit to God and resist him, and that is he will flee from you like a defeated enemy. I mean, you know, it's, it's not an action that the devil's going to say, well, I guess I'm defeated. He, he, he don't want to have a choice. He's, he's just going to flee. And so in, in, in Jesus' uh, great Sermon on the Mount, towards the very end, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 23, Jesus says this, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, doeth the will of the Father is a choice. He that doeth the will of my Father. That can only be done after total submission. I mean, we can do a lot of things. We can work in the church. We can, we can, we can be involved in all kinds of things. But to do the will of the Father requires total submission before we can do the will of the Father. Uh, quite a few years ago on a Sunday morning, uh, Charlotte and I were listening to a, the radio. I, I believe the name of the, uh, the, the series was Revival Time. A man by the name of Dan Betzer preached a powerful message. The title of his message was, Where Was the Sunday Morning Crowd on Thursday Night? This is not Thursday night, but we could ask ourselves tonight, where is the, was the Sunday morning crowd on Wednesday night? Now, just because people aren't here Wednesday night doesn't mean that they can't be true worshipers of Jesus, and that's not what I'm trying to imply at all. But we can't be true worshipers of Jesus on Sunday morning if we haven't been with Jesus in the garden of total submission on that Thursday, Thursday night. And I believe if we're, if, we, if we're with Jesus on Thursday night, <laughs> then we will be true worshipers. Because what happened to those worshipers on Sunday morning? They were looking for a king. They were looking for a different Jesus. And they were, they were wanting him to come and set 
the Jews free from the Roman domination and everything, and they had in mind a totally different Jesus. That's because they hadn't submitted and surrendered to Jesus Christ. And so as a result, uh, where were they on Thursday night? <laughs> they are probably part of them, were part of that crowd that came with the Pharisees to, to, to arrest Jesus in the garden. They were probably part of that crowd that, that mocked him and spit upon him as he hung upon the cross. That very same crowd. Why? Because they hadn't submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Many of you may be familiar with the name Fanny Crosby. How many of you are familiar with the name Fanny Crosby? One of the greatest uh, writers of, of hymns uh, that this world has ever known. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Fanny Crosby. When she was six weeks old, she developed a slight cold in her eyes, and a quack doctor prescribed hot mustard poultices to be applied to treat her eyes. Of course, these hot mu uh, mustard poultices destroyed her eyes completely. And her father died when she was only 12 months old. So her, her mother was kind, but was busy making a living for both of them. And it was her grandmother. You know, we just had a lesson about uh, Lois and Eunice in Sunday school, Timothy. Man, how, I tell you what a blessing it is to have a mother and a grandmother that's going to point you to Jesus and share the word, word of Jesus. And so this, this, her grandmother introduced the Bible to little Fanny, and she began to devour the scriptures. It said that as a child she, would, she could re repeat from memory the Pentateuch, the book of Ruth, many of the Psalms, the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and much of the New, New Testament. In autumn of 1843, when she was only 23 years old, she was the sightless guest of Congress. And she recited some of the poems that, that she was, had been writing about the tender care of a loving Savior. She spoke with conviction as though she had seen the Savior face to face, even though she was blind. But with all of her apparent devotion to Christ, already shared in so many ways, it is hard to believe that she was not converted until 1851 at the age of 31. This glorious beginning happened at a, uh, a revival service held at the old uh, John Street Methodist Church in New York, which she joined. Recalling the incident, incident years later, Fanny, Fanny Crosby said, after a prayer was offered, they began to sing the grand old consecration hymn, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. And when they reached the third line of the fifth stanza, she remembered the line of the stanza which says, Here, Lord, I give myself away. Here, Lord, I give myself away. My very soul was flooded with celestial light. Fanny Crosby set a goal of winning a million people to Christ through her hymns. And whenever she wrote a hymn, she prayed it would bring men and women to Christ, and she kept careful records of those reported to have been saved through her hymns. See, Fanny Crosby knew about some, something about total submission. She called it perfect submission. One of her best loved and most, most well-known hymns is Blessed Assurance. And I'm just going to read the lyrics, and then uh, after I read the lyrics, uh, we're going to play that song and ask everybody to respond. But the first verse says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. 
And the next two verses begin with the same two words, perfect submission. See, Fanny Crosby knew something about total submission. Perfect submission. Perfect submission. Perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring, bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. And the chorus, uh, what a wonderful chorus. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. So uh, I'm going to uh, play this. I brought a little speaker along. And what I want us to do, I'm going to invite everybody to stand. And as I, as I play this song, uh, 